Thank you for tuning into a Centerpoint Church message. Our mission is to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. We hope this message achieves that and inspires you to both grow in your faith and live it out today. Enjoy. Well, good morning. Thanks for choosing to come and worship God today instead of watching the Packers this morning. In honor of that decision, you can at least watch me move around in green and gold today. Pretty much the same thing as watching the Packer game, right? <laughs> well, thanks for being here and thanks for choosing to uh, prioritize your relationship with God today. This week, what we're doing is we're continuing a new series called It's Decided. Last week, we addressed the idea that many of us were just bad decision makers, especially when we're in the moment. We say we want to make the right decision, yet when we get caught in the moment, we cave, and we many times make emotional or fatigued or decisions that are without thorough thought. For example, instead of being calm about the Packer game last weekend, we yell at the TV like, overtime, what? No! Like, right? Especially when it gets to overtime, we get tense. Instead of being, uh, continuing to maybe fight a temptation that you're fighting of eating candies or impulse buying on Amazon or looking at this certain thing on, online, you did it all day long at work, you avoided it, and then you just caved at home just before you're about to go to bed. Instead of maybe expressing love to your spouse and family when you get home, like you plan on in the morning, your crabby attitude from work just carries over and gets dumped on them at night. Instead of maybe being generous and servant-like to those around you, in the moment you just can't help but think how this affects me. We just aren't good decision makers in the moment. Both Christians and non-Christians are like, we are quite bad at it. Fortunately, a Christian is never defined by the quality of our decisions. Both the good and the bad ones will never define how much God loves us. But a Christian is defined by their relationship to Jesus and their willingness to accept, this, uh, willingness to accept their need for his grace and forgiveness. But when someone, when someone who is a Christian has this deep and real response to Jesus, it means they've typically seen that they've caused some hurt. They've caused some, some damage to maybe both themselves and others from some of their bad decisions. So in response to a real relationship with Jesus, we many times want to live in a way that's holy and God-honoring to avoid this in the future. So Christian is to make decisions that align with Jesus' teachings and follow his ways. And if today we truly want to do that, we can't leave up our decision-making to just in the moment. In this series, what we're doing is we're declaring things God values as seen in the Bible of what we can say it's decided for us ahead of time so that we can act accordingly. For example, when things like happen, we're going to say, when faced with blank, whatever the circumstance is, it's decided to take this action. We can plan this ahead of time so that when we're in the moment, we know the decision to make because it's already thought about and it's already decided. And through this series, what we're doing is we're continuing and committing to saying, I'm ready. I am consistent. I am generous. I am faithful. I am a finisher. I am loving. And I am humble. And why we're doing this is because Proverbs 16.3, it says this, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. So what we're doing is we're committing these ways to God, and we're using what God says in the Bible to help us establish our plans. Last week, 
if tacos and fun were on your mind from Fondy Fest and you don't really remember what we talked about, we said, it's decided that I am ready. I'm ready for opportunity. I'm ready for opposition. I know my values, and it's decided I am ready to serve God and be ready for God. This week, it's I am loving. It's decided I am loving. Did you hear it? Did you feel it? Maybe you didn't hear it, but you felt it. That internal groan from some people maybe around you of thinking, oh boy, let's get churchy today talking about love. Like, I'm guessing some of you people are maybe feeling that, like, oh, like when I say loving, like, ah, I I don't know, man, loving, it's not necessarily what I want to be known for, what I want to be all about. I want to be about power. I want to be about big trucks and big stereos and guns and hunting and football and biceps and hard work and success. And being an overcomer and nachos, queso, and wings. Okay, I don't know how those last ones fit, but, <laughs> but you might be like, I'm not into all this love stuff and feelings. I'm more into being stoic, not talking, not expressing emotion or anything like that. I'm more of a head nodder, arms crossed type person, a non-smiler, because I'm thinking about nachos. <laughs> I get that I'm stereotyping a little bit, right? I'm exaggerating. But I want to keep the person who maybe is thinking being loving isn't for you. I want you to hang in there with me. Because there are a lot of different ways we can show love and how we can live it and how we can express it. Here's a few ways that maybe you've seen in movies in the past. Check it out. I love you. 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 We can express it quite differently, right? You can see that. Some in ways God wants, some maybe not so much. Some that take effort to make happen, and some that we just get tempted into. The word translated as love today in our English Bible actually could have been four primary words in biblical times. So when you're looking through scripture and we read love in English, it could be a a different type of love than what maybe we're thinking. Or the word they chose, they were maybe talking about a particular type of love. We've talked about them here before on a Sunday, but I just want to touch base on them briefly so we're all on the same page. Uh, The first one is philia, which is friendship love. Jesus, we actually see in Scripture, like he cries over a person, Lazarus, who he was friends with when he was dead. And one of the witnesses pulls out this passage, and John 11.36 says that Jesus' love for him, see how he loved him, was this filial friendship type love that Jesus had for him. There's also eros love. Uh, which is passionate or sexual love. Not actually in the Greek Bible. It's not in the New Testament. But it would have been probably used in the Old Testament if it was written in Greek uh, for the Song of Solomon. Uh, Check out Song of Solomon 1-2. It says, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. Then there's storge, which is love for family. The word also isn't in Scripture, but this word describes the type of bond that develops naturally between parents and children or husband and wives or siblings. And then lastly, there's agape love or sacrificial love. It's described as love between God and man. This form of love, it's sacrificial. It's one that, that uh, means you're going to love whether or not you receive that in return of showing your love. John 3.16 is kind of the most famous verse that we see agape love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God so agape the world. As we think of being loving today and applying biblical direction for it, it could mean 
a number of different things, right? So when I say, I am loving, or we say, I am loving, it should make us think, in what way? In what way? For example, don't, don't love your spouse with philia love or friendship love, such as a handshake and a smile. One time I accidentally patted Sydney, my wife, on the back after a hug, and she goes, ooh, that's what my grandpa did to me. I'm definitely not going for grandpa vibes with my wife, all right? Uh, don't love a friend with eros love or sexual love, or things start to get weird, right? It starts to get weird. I accidentally sent a flirty text to my friend thinking it was Sydney. It got weird. It got really weird. On that same note, don't love your family with eros or sexual love either, right? Or things get weirder. I also accidentally sent the text to Sydney's dad once, meaning to go to Sydney, this time with a romantic picture. He was mortified. Needless to say, don't use Eros love. It should be Storge love when it comes to family or your father-in-law specifically. When we say, I am loving today, what we're doing is we're implying uh, we are seeking the well-being of another. Our life groups, they actually kicked off this week, and one of the quotes from the study, this first video we watched from Tony Evans, is he defined love this way. He said, love is compassionately and righteously pursuing the well-being of another. That's the love we're talking about, and it sounds a lot like agape love or sacrificial love. As we think about being loving today, are you compassionately pursuing the well-being of others in your life? Are you sacrificing uh, or being sacrificially loving others all the time? When you get caught in emotional, stress, tough moments? In the Bible, if you look at Jesus and the writer's teaching of the New Testament, there's actually this fairly interesting path to know how Jesus actually wants us to love. And he gives us kind of some direction in multiple different spots. It's kind of what I want to call a theological spiral or a study of God that has the series of consequences. If Jesus said this, then that maybe changes things for this, and then it maybe th- changes things for this. And it's just this spiral that like kind of has this cause and effect. It makes me think of dominoes. Like if you hit something... Uh, and like all of a sudden, like the next thing gets hit, and then the next thing, and then it just turns into a really, really bad day for this guy. But it just causes like a natural effect after effect after effect. And we can see that in the Bible uh, when Jesus is talking about love and how we should approach love. So what I want to do for the next five minutes with you is I want to nerd out with you on the type of love God desires from us. And then after, we're going to get real practical to make sure that we have the tools to know how to decide and follow through on being loving. If you look at scripture, though, to start, it says, we love others because God first loved us. It's 1 John 4.19. We love each other because he loved us first. This is kind of the starting point. We love because God first loved us. God loved us first in our flaws, in our messiness, and sacrificially, as we can see in John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world. You could see that. So we sometimes willingly decide to love God or, or others because God loved us. And sometimes it's honestly just to fulfill a command. Because 1 John 15, 12 says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. So are you still following with me? Kind of it looks like this, like God loves us in our flaws, God wants us to love others in their flaws. We love others in their flaws because God loved us in ours. Some of y'all might be like, meh, I can do that. That's not bad. That's easy. That's already decided upon for me. That's easy for me to believe and execute. Awesome. 
awesome. I'm excited for you. But if we keep going with 1 John 15, it then says this. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Ooh, a little harder, but some of y'all might be like, uh, I could do that. I could take a bullet for my friends. I'll catch a grenade. I'll put my hand on a blade. I'll run in front of a train. My Bruno Mars fans, you know that. But it's saying, be willing to do what Jesus did, as in die for your friends and family. Who would say they could maybe get themselves to do that? Like some of us, yeah. I think some of us could say we could do that. Who would raise their hand in church to save their friends and family? Come on now. All right, all right, great. <laughs> uh, I think a lot of us could, right? I think a lot of us could give our lives for a friend or family member. I think a lot of us can say, it's decided I will do that if the circumstance comes. Honestly, there's no greater love than that, is what the verse says. And we can and should be proud of that type of love. Honestly, that type of love is what Jesus and his followers are known for, loving each other well and in an intense way. John 13, 34 to 35, it says this, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Christians or followers of God should be known for loving each other like Jesus loved. When they do, it shows God to the world. Do you think that's happening today? Are you contributing to that? Are you a loving person to others? Do, you, do people see you navigate loving character traits like forgiving quickly or dragging out hatred? Or do you address things in person? Or do you have long legal matters that people see? Do you give opportunities for redemption or not a chance? Honestly, I've contributed to some of that unlove in the world. But if I want others to see God, there are some things I can change today. Anyways, if you're still tracking with me, we're in our spiral. God loves us in our flaws. God wants us to love others in their flaws. We love others in their flaws because God loved us in ours. Great love gives up their life. Love for others shows the world God. Do you still like this? Do you still like this flow? I think it's fairly easy for me to say, like, I can probably say it's decided that I'll do that. But if we go through the Bible and we're thorough in our study on love and Jesus' expectation of it, it goes just a bit further. A few weeks ago, we studied the passage in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus said, Matthew 5, 43, it's where it starts, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be a children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Oh, I hate this verse. I hate this verse, right? Love your enemies. Is this really necessary? Like, it's part of the spiral? Wait, 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 wait. You might be like, pastor, pastor? There's different types of love. What kind of love did Jesus say? Like, we got to love, like, like a friendship love? Well, if you look at the Greek root of it, of this verse, you can see where it says love. It's agape love. That's how we're supposed to love our enemies, sacrificially. Ye, that's how God wants us to love our enemies. But honestly, that's how God loved us. In Romans 5.10, it says, For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? We were enemies of God, 
yet he loved us and died for us. And this is where we get in the spiral, where some of us might be like, nah, I don't think I can do that. I don't think I can follow through with that. I mean, if I'm real with you, I started thinking, I started thinking, yeah, I could maybe bite my tongue for a little bit when it comes to my enemies, or I could just maybe avoid them for a while, or, or I could love my neighbors and friends, but to give up my life for, the, for my enemies? I don't know. Could you say that? Could you love your enemies like you love your friends and family? Could you say, it's decided to love all the way to death? Honestly, the fact that none of us probably could might be the point. In the verse, Jesus said, the sun rising and the rain falling on both the good and the evil. Jesus is showing God's undiscriminating love to all people, friends and enemies. Jesus is teaching us that we must attempt to live by a standard that is probably impossible. It's probably impossible. But don't miss this point. It's impossible for us to attain on our own efforts, but through a deepening understanding of God's grace and a deepening understanding of how God loves us, maybe one day we would be able to. And this brings us to the full circle. Love your enemies. Give up life for them. And in order to be able to do that, you need to know that God loves you and your flaws of not being able to do that. We love and try to love the best we can because God loved us first. The more love we experience from God, the more it moves us to love others. The more we truly understand his love for us and our flaws, the more we are able to love others in their flaws and evilness. So, woo, all right, nerd out over on this. That was a lot. If you're sleeping, let me bring you back. You see the cyclical view like, of how love can be, is, is formed. But in your life, have you decided you will be loving? Have you decided that? To all your friends, all your family, to others you don't know, to maybe even your enemies. I don't know about you, but when I'm in the moment, a vulnerable, tempting, emotional spot where maybe I'm, I'm fatigued or just burnt out or tired with my friends, my family, it's easy for me to choose to be unloving and even easier to choose to be unloving to my enemies in those moments. So what if we decided ahead of time? Ahead of time to be loving. It's decided I'm going to be more loving to my friends, my family, and my enemies. What would that actually look like? How do I get there to doing that more? Well, I think the first thing that we can start doing is we can see all, all people, as potential children of God. A child of God is a Christian, but a potential child of God is everyone and anyone. At one point, every Christian was just a potential child of God, yet he still died for them. Romans 5.8, it says, But God shows his love for us in, what, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When you try to model that, you shift your mindset from seeing a person as just a random person or an enemy and shift it to a potential child of God or a brother or sister in Christ who has gone through some stuff. Your demeanor, it should change towards them. If you've been coming here for a while, you've probably heard me say I have two little girls. Um, I have a two-year-old and then like a three-month-old. So we watch a lot of kids' movies in our house. Lately, it's been Lion King. Moana and Encanto, on repeat. Well, I was hoping to switch things up a little bit for my girls and revisit some of my childhood classics. They usually last about two minutes when I put them on, and like Eliza's like, my little daughter's like, 
Lion King Daddy. Like, come on now. We're only two minutes in. Give it a chance. But recently, we tried Homeward Bound, and we finished it. It was awesome. Actually, the movie wasn't awesome, but it was awesome to watch something different, all right? Anyone know the movie that I'm talking about? Homeward Bound? Who's, who's seen it? All right, great. Um, first off, it makes me feel really old when I talk about Homeward Bound, but secondly, we were watching this in jest and kind of in fun, and the movie, what it is, is that if you haven't seen it, it's voices for a cat and two dogs, pets, as they travel, like real pets, as they travel across the mountains to try and re- reconnect with their owners. Uh, but what happens is these animals stumble upon a girl, a little girl, who is missing in the wilderness, and they bring humans to her and rescue her while they're on their journey. Does anybody remember this scene in the movie? Oh, okay, a few of you. All right. um, I'm going to show you a little clip of it. Hang in there. I know it might be a little dry, but check it out. Just looking for the little girl, Chance. She needs us. We have to help. Oh, I hope you know what you're doing. I don't want to go back there again. Ever. Don't worry. Sassy, you keep her warm. I'll be right back. Hurry, Shadow. You might be thinking, I skipped the Packer game for this. <laughs> Corny or not, as a parent, this is actually incredibly scary. I'm going to maybe lose some of your respect right now. You might call me a sap, but I started to tear up when I saw this. When I watch movies and scary things happen to children, I think, that could be my daughter. That could be my daughter. And I'm sad, and I want to make sure nothing bad happens to her like that. I tell you this not to say you need to start tearing up or crying at children's movie or even watch Homer Bound, nothing like that. But are you loving God's potential children like they could be your children or an individual going through a rough stretch? When you try to understand the big picture of their story, when you hear their story, Are you going after them, caring for them, supporting them, being there for them, and helping them find out what's both God-honoring and best for them? Recently, I was listening to this podcast, and it was with two comedians, Burt Kreischer, who can be quite inappropriate, and he's not a Christian or a professing Christian. And then there's John Christ, who was the comedian he was interviewing. Um, he's the Christian comedian who does these type of bits. Check out Jesus, scene. I am late for church. I'm just going to speak this parking spot into existence right now. Just name it and claim it, Jesus. Oh, for heaven's sakes, use the crosswalk. Now, you've probably seen him before or not. You will definitely want to check him out, but... This podcast where the two are dialoguing, it's definitely not a clean podcast. I'm not recommending it at all. But in it, John, what he does is he shares how he ended up actually going to rehab because of some poor and tough personal decisions he made. But he shares how when he was in rehab, he started to learn everyone has a story and his perspective changed. He was saying, evil people have a story. And he was saying how when you are there, and you're hearing it from the beginning, you just get it. Here's a little clip from when he's talking about it. Check it out. Everybody, you go to rehab, the guy, there's, a new person comes in every day, and yeah. they tell their story, and 
which is why I have the most empathy for every, because you go, if you heard every single person's story, and the worst, the people have murdered people, stolen painkillers from people on their deathbeds, yeah. uh, uh, abuse, violence, and you hear the story from the beginning, you go, that checks out. Not that you excuse the behavior from the beginning. From like his, his what his childhood was yes. like, what his everything was. Now you wouldn't defend it, and it's horrific, and yeah. it's, but you would go, that tracks. poor guy. You would go, I'm really? sad for him. Really? Yeah. He says you can see how people kind of get to where they end up. The good, the bad, the ugly, the evil even. We don't ever want to respect the evil they have done, but we can still love the person and try to love them through it. For you to get yourself to say, it's decided to be loving, decide to see all as potential children of God first and then help them through it. For you, what that maybe looks like is maybe you got to ask them their story. Could you tell me your story? Maybe you need to just give them support and encouragement that you would offer your child or your brother or sister. Maybe it's you need to start assuming the best of them. Instead of responding unloving, hateful, or even just cynical about them, you can choose to be loving and understanding as you would your children. The second thing that I think we can do to say it's decided to be loving is decide to take the risk for love. When in doubt, take the risk. John 15, 12 to 13, it says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. The greatest love is one that lays down their life, it's saying. Have you risked something for love before? Have you risked maybe your ego, maybe your guard, maybe your respect, your time, your position, your finances, your life? Laying down your life is what I could describe as vulnerable. It's pretty vulnerable. And when I say that, I think every guy tunes out. So let me rephrase that. Laying down your life is dangerous. Dangerous. Now, my, now some ears are perked, right? The verse says to lay down your life is love in the greatest form. Do you do that? If so, how? If you've been coming here for a while, coming to church and hearing different messages, you've probably learned real quick that me as a pastor, I kind of stink. I kind of stink as a pastor. Like, I just don't have it all together. Like, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. Yes, I'm continuing to pursue him and try and make my life more and more like Jesus. But each week you're here, you basically hear how I kind of suck in some area, right? You kind of hear that. I don't share these things because I love talking about my flaws. I don't. Honestly, I'm like many of you. I like to be private, and I would prefer everyone not to know my dirty laundry, right? I would prefer everyone not to know my mess-ups. It's honestly a bit dangerous for me to share these things. You notice I said dangerous instead of vulnerable. It's dangerous. It's dangerous, though, because I could lose some of your respect, some of your maybe high view of me sharing my flaws instead of keeping it hidden. But I'm trying to take a risk of sharing because I want you to know you can be loved by God when you run into dumb situations like I get myself in. As a pastor, I've decided ahead of time I'm going to risk my status for the possibility of someone to know and grow in their relationship with Jesus. And that act of me is my attempt of taking a risk to be loving. Could you get yourself to maybe decide something like that ahead of time?
Choose to love instead of what's maybe safe financially or safe in your status or safe in your position at work or safe in your network. Choose love and risk for that. I hate saying this, but Jesus wasn't as instructional about guarding your love or being careful about who you should love. He was more about agape love, the sacrificial love, whether you receive that in return or not. To sacrifice for something is a giant risk. And in order for you to follow through, you cannot let preservation emotions of the moment slow you down. Agape love, it's not an emotion. It's a commitment. It's a decided commitment. It's a conscious, constant decision to treat someone a certain way. It's an action that you follow through on. There may be emotions involved with it to demonstrate the love, but the action and the commitment is what agape is all about. Are you willing to say, it's decided for me to follow through and be loving, even if it means taking a risk? What's that risk that you can decide upon ahead of time? The last thing, the last thing that I think we can do to get in the habit of being more loving is actually express it. Actually express it. John 13, 34 to 35. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Do you show love to others? Would someone know you love another person because they can see it visibly? Do you show it? Do you say it? Do you express it? Like, do you actually do it or do you just think it? Does anyone hate goodbyes here? I hate goodbyes. I hate goodbyes. I absolutely hate them, but it's not because we're leaving and like we're separating from people. Actually, I'm an introvert. I'm like, cool, yay, time to myself. Like, finally, we're leaving. Thank you. Finally. But I hate it because I never know what to do when you say goodbye. I don't really know how to say goodbye. It's always awkward. Like, so what are we going to do? Are we going to do a handshake or a hug or like, you know, kind of a high five or like the bro, bring it in? Like, I never know. And it's awkward. Even to the point, that like it started even at home with Sydney and I, my wife, there was this forced hug and kiss goodbye because I was so bad at it with her. I hated that, that I had to be forced to, be kiss, to kiss her and hug her before we left. I know it seems weird, but wow. The fact that she wanted that, wow, do I know that girl loves me. Now it felt amazing. I want my daughters to know that and that I feel that way about them. And it makes me wonder, do I express it enough to them like my wife wants to express it to me? I also want to be loving to others. And I want others to know God. So do I love well enough for outsiders to see the love that's happening between me and other people and think, yeah, I can see that they're a follower of God. Again, verse 35 says, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Do you express love regularly? If not, what could you change? More comments to your wife or husband? Maybe you need more PDA, I don't know. More comments to your kids? Notes? More loving or endearing comments to others around you? This is important to do because when it's decided that I will express love regularly, it's more likely for me to share that love with others. For you, Maybe you need to figure out like this goodbye gesture that you can just say, it's decided that I do this gesture for everyone, no matter who the person is. Maybe you offer this type of handshake to anyone, your friends all the way to your enemies, but it's a way that you kind of show that you, you care about them, you love them in some way. 
Maybe it's a hug. Maybe it's a pat on the back. I don't know. But you do it for every person because it's just a way you kind of model that. Maybe you need a goodbye phrase that vocalizes love or care towards someone. Maybe it's the phrases, I care about you, and that's how you leave people. Maybe it's, I'm hoping for the best for you. Maybe it's, I love you, man. Peace, friend. I don't know. But do something that can say or do or model or show that it's decided you are going to love this person no matter what. Because not only will it be something that shows love to them, but it will help you do it to all. And in doing so, it will also show God to others, as the verse says. So as I wrap up today, we are saying it's decided to be loving. And how we're going to ensure that we do that is we are going to see all as potential children of God. We are going to choose risk over what's safe, and we are going to actually express love consistently to all. What do you need to do to make sure that you follow through on one of those this week? Jesus, he modeled love greater than I think anyone else. And if you've never embraced his love for you, even in your flaws, know that he gave his life for you and wants to be a part of your life so that he can continually express his love for you. If you've never said yes to embracing Jesus' love and forgiveness, know that he loves all. You just need to say yes to his gift of love, of dying in your place for the consequences that you deserve for your wrongdoing. You were and maybe still are, and we, as we all kind of are, are enemies of God. Yet he still showed love to you and wants to show you more. When you say that you accept his forgiveness in your head and your heart, you are then starting on your journey to experience more love. And a love that will move you to action to both love God, but also others, and who knows, maybe even your enemies. Can you imagine a world where that actually happened? It would be amazing. If you want to embrace that, maybe for the first time, or, or maybe you want to just embrace the fact that I want to be more loving. It's decided I'm going to be more loving to others. And you decide certain things of what you're going to do about that. I'm going to pray that God prompts us in how to do that well. If you want to pray with me, you can pray right now. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for giving us just a clear example of how you love us. God, some of us have never embraced the love from you, um, that you've loved us even as we were enemies of you. God, I just pray that some of us right now or maybe are saying for the first time, God, we want to embrace your love. We want to embrace that love. We want to embrace the forgiveness that you offer. And we're saying yes. And then, God, we pray that uh, you have us be moved by that love so that we can love others well, starting with our, our family, our friends, and who knows, maybe even love us so much so that we can experience and know how to love our enemies even. God, I just pray that you help us act on that this week. Help us know how we can commit to doing that even in the tough moments. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.